If you are a skier and you live in the Northeast, you may have heard of the lodge at Gord Mountain. Located at the foot of the ski hill, a little motel has been transformed into an eclectically cool mountain retreat. Purchased by the Parabek Brothers in 2013, the lodge has grown into North Creek's Prey ski location. It's a family business and it's genius. As a frequent guest, I feel like I'm one of the family and I would guess most visitors probably feel the same way. Every year, the Parabros surprise the community with something new and we all look forward to the unveiling. I can attest that each, each addition adds to the fun. Through the years, we've come back to find a German-inspired restaurant and bar, a hive of yurts, an outdoor stage, and bike trails that offer something for everyone. It's a place for people to, to come together and make memories. And Mark, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to From the Basement Up. Welcome, Thank Mark. you for having me. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Yes. Mark, I'm very excited that you came because I obviously go to Beck's and the Lodge and I go to the Yurts and it really is something that my family looks to forward to every year. And actually, we actually go during the summers and the fall. So there's a lot to unpack in this episode just because I've seen the evolution of your business and I've watched everything that's happened and I've been so inspired. You've been in Ski Magazine. It really is the place. You've built a community and I've said this to you many times, what an ins inspiration it's been to watch this really, this, this place where people can come together and enjoy each other's company. And it really has given so much to North Creek. So um, what I would love to know is when you started this, what was the feeling that you wanted people to have when they came to the lodge and to Bex? Yeah, there, there, there really aren't a lot of places. Uh, if, if you want to live near Gore Mountain, there, there's simply because of the restrictions of development in the Adirondacks, there aren't a lot of places that you can, you can go to. It's not a conventional uh, ski mountain because it's owned uh, by the state of New York. And that's really... You know, that limitation is what makes it so wonderful because you have pristine views. You have you have uh, wild wilderness right there. Right behind our hotel is is one hundred and thirteen thousand acres of land that's never going to be developed. Um, and that's what makes it so magical. So we we accidentally became hotel owners when we were looking for uh, a cabin in the woods and we purchased uh, the closest property that we could find to it, which was a hotel. Okay. And if people could understand this, it's, it's gorgeous. You have this amazing property that backs up and it, you can, you can ski out. So you're skiing on the mountain and you can ski right down to your, to your, your hotel. And you're the only place in at North Creek that can do that. Well, I mean, technically there are some others and, and, but really you're right. We, we developed, there's, there's so many trails uh, that were in existence um, leading off of the mountain. Some of them had just been abandoned and, and really not cleaned up for a long time. Um, and, and really, so we have, uh, we have the ability when there's natural snow in the woods to, to ski down to Beck's Tavern, to ski down to our property. And in fact, you know, like all good things, uh, early on that was, you know, we didn't know, uh, if there were rules and regulations against that, uh, but whatever their true rules and regulations are, that uh, word got out, um, and it's it, it's now been in the process with the the local uh, governmental authorities of making that like a a real option. Um, in other words, putting signage up so that that people are aware of where they end up when they end up in the woods, because the woods is wide open and there's trails that often go many places, and and so. Our, our feeling has always been that if you get into the woods, you should at least know that you're uh, headed to a place you can get a, a beer. <laughs> so I have a question. Most people, if they found out the only property they could buy was a hotel, they would probably say no and back out of the whole deal. Why did you forge ahead and buy the hotel? Um, well, we bought it just based on location. We bought it uh, really without an intention of running a hotel or a restaurant. We were gonna we were gonna hold the rooms to ourselves in in the hotel, um, and uh, simply live there in the winter. Uh, we considered renting out some rooms to to friends uh, who wanted some, and uh, 
but we were late to, we purchased the property in July of uh, 2013. We were a little late in, in getting it uh, ready for the beginning of the ski season, which typically happens at the end of November. We were ready to go in January. And, and by that point, um, everyone who was looking for a, like a, a rental had already found something to rent. Um, and so we, we had all these extra rooms that were perfectly well done. And we just turning on the vacancy sign again, because, you know, you turn on a sign and you expect everything to happen at once and, and literally nothing happened <laughs> for a few days, uh, really for a couple of weeks, honestly, I, many people were, if you had been at this hotel prior to our ownership, uh, I think you would have been, you know, in certain cases, depending on, uh, your demographic, you might've been scared to stay there again. <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions for you was what did the hotel look like? <laughs> so, was like um, yeah. The well, hotel. I mean, it had an Elvis room. It had a Christmas tree room. It, 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 it was <laughs> kitschy. It was nice. Uh, most of it ended up, uh, out front and given away. Um, and, and, and it really funny because one of the greatest things the, the hotel came with was an old gondola from Gore. Uh, there were these great old gondolas from a, a gondola that I think was installed in 1965. And once that gondola was decommissioned, they ended up scattered throughout the area. Um, and we fortunately have one. It was it was number 13. We, we still have it listed as number 13. But when we were putting out old beds, old furniture tables and lights um the person one of the people who was helping me started piling it all up right by the gondola and i said i think that's a terrible idea uh because people are going to want to take the gondola he's like no one's going to take the gondola well the first person that arrived uh started hauling away the gondola and uh we you know i looked at my friend and said uh you see <laughs> did you get it back oh my gosh oh yeah yeah okay, I, I i i had my eyes out i i knew i knew what was going to happen i could i could see it um yeah. And it happened exactly as envisioned. <laughs> I hate those moments. You have yeah. to just let it happen well, too. Yeah, it's like you hate to be the one that says "I told you so," but sometimes you just have to say it. So, <laughs> well, I, I mean, it. I think it leads right back to uh, some sort of psychology explains that, and really, this whole project has been really a big psychological experiment because you're <laughs> dealing with the public, you're dealing with people, uh, you know we're dealing with ourselves and our family. So huge growth, huge. I mean, you, yeah. you're growing the business, you're growing as a family. It just, it's, it's been amazing to watch. So whose idea was it to buy the property? Was this your idea? Um, th there's going to be argument over that. Uh, cause <laughs> I have a friend or two who believes it was their idea. Okay. <laughs> um, but really, I think both my brother and I happened to notice the sign. Uh, we, my children were very young at that time what was that 2013? So they were like, they were like five and six, six and seven, something like that. Um, two boys. And we were taking them skiing at Gore, uh, after had taking them skiing at West mountain, where I thought the first time I took them skiing, I thought we'd be on a, a little bunny hill for many years. And, and that was not the case. Uh, so our, our skiing evolved to, to Gore mountain, which was close to where we live in Saratoga. Um, and as we went back and forth, you know, the first year was, uh, it was, it seemed like a big step to rent a locker on the mountain. I, I really feel like I was investing in the mountain by, uh, <laughs> purchasing a $225 locker with a rental fee of that per year. Um, <clears throat> but we saw this, we saw this property for sale. There was a, a realtor sign essentially buried in the snow. I think both my brother and I looked at it, um, but it was, it just was, it was at a, it was at a rate, it was at a price, a listing that was, we didn't, neither of us seemed attracted to it. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I think the attraction was, um, it was going to be a good investment. Um, however, I think about a year later, uh, in desperation to, to get out of their business, uh, the owners essentially dropped the price in half. Um, and that's when we looked again. Part of that was they eliminated uh, the house, uh, that was part of the property from the listing. And, uh, and at first we were, we were inclined to purchase it with, without that house. Um, but as we got deeper into the negotiations and, and contracts and such, we realized that, uh, to, to purchase this property without, 
all of the property without barns to store things in the house. Uh, the house, which has become Beck's Tavern, uh, was going to be a mistake. So as we were uh, negotiating on this, um, it, it was a whole different climate. People were not purchasing properties in the Adirondacks in 2013. So it was good timing. Uh, many of us, it, it, so I have two other brothers who were involved with this project. Uh, the one brother in New York City, uh, I think he, it was I think he was happy to be involved, but he was more of a silent partner. I think I think my brother Matt became more uh, enthused about the project, and as as we got closer to closing or to the moment where we could we could step away or not, I I really had the reservations because um, I knew I'm the one that's uh, that. My brother Matt does most of the operations up there. I do most of the uh, visioning and of 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 what we're going to uh, envisioning of what we're going to build. So I knew I was bringing a lot of work onto the table. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think we just felt like it was a no brainer, and it would have been a big mistake if we didn't purchase it. And and I feel that I I, I think we got very lucky. A lot of, there was a confluence of a lot of ideas, a lot of events uh, that brought us to that moment. And for the listeners, this Beck's Tavern and the Lodge, and I can't stress this enough, there was nothing in North Creek that would bring people together after skiing. And this this magical place that the Parabeck brothers have developed is now the meeting ground for everybody after skiing to come and have a drink, listen to live music, uh, a really get to, a wonderful place to get together. But back in the day when you bought the, when you bought the lodge, you needed to have that vision to see what the potential was. And that's what always, that's what really inspires me to bring you on and have the listeners listen to this because you took this rundown motel and you've turned it into this really kitschy, fun, unique, quirky place that everybody loves to go to. And I just really love the process and want you to share that journey of how you created this great place. So as far as the, the property, when you were buying it, and I've also loved hearing stories or lessons that you can pass on. What was one of the lessons that you could tell people about the initial purchasing of the property and how you were able to develop it year after year? Well, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think, I, I, I mean, I'm definitely of the belief that you should, in certain cases, you you can't overanalyze the project and you need to jump in. Um, at the same time, uh, I had enough experience with, with purchasing other uh, real estate in my life that I was aware of how you had to be well capitalized. Um, if we went into this project to make money off of it, essentially, immediately, uh, it, it never would have survived. But we went into the project as we knew we had a great property. We knew we had a great uh, location. And we really felt like it was worth whatever investment we were going to put into it. Um, I think I, more than more than anyone, I definitely saw the idea of a restaurant very early on, because I, I just felt like, uh, as you said, Michelle, there was no, th there were limited options of what you could do at the end of the ski day in North Creek. Um, and in so many ways, that was that was that's okay because there's a lot of commuters that come uh, from the mountain or come from Saratoga or Albany, and all they want to do at the end of the day is maybe have a drink on the mountain, uh, some food up there, but just head home and get home as fast as possible. Uh, I have always been a fan. I think almost more than the skiing of the skiing culture. It brings together such great people. Uh, you. I, I mean, myself, I got to go on a wonderful trip with your husband and your son to, to Austria. Uh, you know, one of the, probably one of the best ski adventures of my life. And, and that's because skiing brings great people together. So I saw a need, as you mentioned, for the, the idea that an après ski place would work. Now, um, there was so, there's so much to do in New York state, really probably any state, but in New York state, especially uh, with the de all the departments, Department of Health, Department of uh, New York State Liquor Authority, um, Department of Labor to get something like this off the ground. So beyond all of that, I w which are just checklists that you have to uh, 
really those checklists probably took more than a year to accomplish. Um, but beyond that, we, we had to have the belief um, that it would work. And as we were planning it, we heard from people that it would never work <laughs> because people were trained to leave Gore. People were trained to just drive home, that they would never stop. And that's where we that's where we just jumped into the deep end. We 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 felt like we should take take the chance with it because we felt like if we could if we could uh, adjust people's expectations or create an expectation that they, there was great things to do um, at the end of the ski day. That that naturally being skiers, having the the culture of liking to have some food and drink and and uh, companionship and and conversations with others at the end of the ski day that they would they would naturally do it and really that's what happened thank you for not listening to the naysayers uh Mm. i really appreciate it because you have created a great place so and not everyone's an entrepreneur so they don't have the vision they don't know where you're going with it and i guess i want to know as far as a naysayer goes has anyone given you a good good advice that was a naysayer um, specific advice. I, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't, I can't think of anything. However, I mean, the advice for all people, uh, in my belief is that, you know, there's an opinion for everything, um, whatever you want. And, and usually it's, it just like in politics, it, it hovers really close to 50, 50, the scales I'm, I'm a, a Libra. So I, you know, maybe that makes sense to me. So everything is usually coming close to balancing out. And all you need to go one way or the other is just a little bit of shift of weight. Um, and, and so as a person, um, I, I listen to all opinions. But at the end of the day, I'm, not, I, 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 I'm pretty good at making my own choice uh, and not being afraid to adjust to that choice. If it's a mistake, I will adjust to it. But I'll, I'll, I'll give it enough time to say I, I don't need to listen to everything. I'll listen to it all for a point, but when it's time to move my own direction, I'll, I'll make those decisions. And, and that, that's another piece of advice, actually a piece of advice I gave to someone else once upon a time, uh, a person who wanted, uh, I was purchasing some real estate in Saratoga and, and he was considering maybe doing the same thing. And he, he just wondered how you do it. And I, and I, and I didn't know this until many years later, but I gave him a piece of advice that he's held ever since. And I said, they're called decisions. You just have to make them. I mean, that's all I told him. And, uh, and he liked that. That's a good one. That's like a good that. quote for our, for our show notes. Regarding super uh, future projects, and you must bounce things off your brothers, and you guys are, are very close and work together. But I, you are a visionary, and you are artistic. And I'm always wondering what you've got going on between your ears. You must have future projects planned way out. And do your brothers not know of some things that you have planned for the future? Hmm. Well, uh, you know, honestly, my brothers have, uh, I, I think, are um, show running the projects going forward. I mean, they, they, I think I was the one who jumped on a lot of the initial projects. Okay. You know, we, we, we did this restaurant. Um, I saw it literally a few weeks before we were to break ground, my, my one brother, I think really had I mean, gigantic reservations about it. He was, he was overthinking it. He was thinking it like how many, how many drinks do we have to sell? How many meals do we have to sell? Uh, you know, to get to a certain revenue, what is the revenue that we need to even break even? And I said, well, I, you know, like, I don't know any of that. Uh, but let's just, we, you know, we, we've, we've carved out uh, the capital to do it. So let's do it. And if, uh, you know, I told him, I think at the end of the day, I told him, well, and if we ever need to turn the, the restaurant back into a house, it'll be a really wonderful house with a very large kitchen. Um, but, but uh, yeah, as we have built more and more, uh, I, I think my brothers have just naturally jumped into the, the, the process of, uh, being the visionaries too. And so I listen to them as much as I give them visions. Um, and, uh, and, and really where we're going now, uh, so much of it is, I think what I had seen, uh, maybe a, a few years ago, but because I, I, again, I know that so much of the work is going to be, uh, is going to fall under my, uh, uh, stewardship, uh, 
maybe I, I didn't speak up as quickly as I, I needed to or wanted to. And, and they're the ones speaking up and, 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 and drawing a direction, which I totally agree with. Actually, that's, it's fun. It's fun yeah. watching that, that leadership role change and the supportive change. I think that that's, that's the way to do it. And then everybody gets to have their, their pet projects that they get to move forward on. As far as the restaurant goes and the bar, uh, I wanted to share with the listeners and when they get to Beck's, uh, really there's a lot of personal touches as you walk through the building. I wanted you to kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, I think we have a unique, we have a unique restaurant in the sense that it, to me, it feels like a, a in, in many ways, it feels like a piece of art and it, and it continues to develop. Um, and I think some of the great bars and restaurants I've been to in my life are like that. Uh, I think ours maybe, uh, takes it, you know, almost to the next level, uh, because we allow a lot of our patrons and guests and, 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 you know, friends and family uh, to participate in the process. They participated in it early on. One of the first days we opened up, um, I've always been a fan of uh, letter blocks and Scrabble pieces, uh, but we had this this big wooden entry hallway and we had a, we had a party, I think a couple of months uh, at the end of the ski season before we opened Beck's Tavern officially that summer. And uh, we had lots of friends, family, uh, and lots of kids were around. And and the kids, once they figured out that I was going to allow them to to glue their <laughs> names onto the walls, uh, they just jumped at the the idea. And we've turned that idea into we we in the yurts we have left uh, markers out, sharpies out, and people decorate the hallways. And it's it's gone a little bit beyond that now. It's gone into. Um, they're really starting to decorate the woodwork in the yurts. And I wasn't sure if I was down with that at first, but, but I am, I, I, I like it and I see what it's, ha what's happening to it. And, and actually it's bringing back a memory. There used to be a great bar in, uh, uh, NoHo, I guess it would be just North of Hudson in New York city called the Mars bar. And it was a bar that was, uh, it, it's torn down now. I'm sure it's some giant like condominium complex, but <laughs> literally every square inch of that had was graffitied. And that now I don't want every square inch of the yurts graffitied, <laughs> but if I can control the process where people, you know, stick with the plan and, and graffiti what we want, I, I think it's going to ultimately look really cool. It it's it has a life of its own. It seems to have this personality that continues to grow. When you created the bar, you have this little nook set up and it's like coach's corner and you'll see the ski coaches sitting there. And it just, it, it really does have this great personality that continues to evolve. That is what I find so special about it as well. It's, as I was saying in the beginning, you feel like you belong. You feel like you're part of this community, part of this family. And that's just very special. It's not something you get everywhere you go. Uh, I did want to touch on the yurts. So this is fun. And if you don't mind, kind of talk about your vision with the yurts, because I look at it as a, it's like a beehive and it's, it's growing and you're, you're thinking of new things and, and it's been fun to watch. So if you don't mind touching on that, and I want to know how that impacted your business. Um, well, well, the yurts really, I think the yurts, uh, in certain ways became the business, um, it, the business is Beck's Tavern, but the yurts, I, I, I think we identify with, uh, or the yurts have brought such a vibrancy to what we offer. Uh, I knew I, I, we, we had yurts on the property. Uh, we didn't have yurts on the property. We, we had a hotel. We immediately knew we needed space for people to gather. Um, I'd always been fascinated by yurts. In fact, probably the property I would have bought in North Creek uh, if it didn't sell just before I was I was uh, really actively looking was a yurt in North River, which is about 15 miles north. Uh, and it was it was super affordable. It was super cool looking and someone else bought it uh, right as I was <laughs> looking. And so I had to look elsewhere. Uh but so when we needed some space, we said, heck, let's put a yurt up. So we put up a yurt, a very small one, 14 feet. Um, and then the next winter, we said, well, that wasn't enough. So we put up another one right beside it. And those became uh, those became uh, just a special special place for our guests to hang out. 
really beyond that, we found our friends hanging out there. We found that we would have uh, we would have like a, a big end of the year ski party there. My my good friend, and th- this touches upon like again, it's not what we've done. Maybe we seeded the project. Maybe we we saw what we wanted and we started doing it. But it's 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 what everyone else is doing now. Uh, mostly, really, our employees and 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 the patrons and guests that they bring in because we couldn't do any any of this without them. But so we we built these couple of yurts. Then then that led to the idea. Well, you could have a restaurant. I mean, people want to you know, that reaffirmed that, that started getting people to think who thought we were crazy about thinking about a restaurant. <laughs> they kind of said, well, maybe you could actually. So we, we went in that direction, but once we had the restaurant, we just found that, that it, it as just being the sole entity, um, it, we were trying to do too much there. People wanted to have the apres ski. They wanted to have a, a, a nice experience uh, at dinner. They wanted to maybe have some music too. And trying to do that all the first year there, we just found we found like we we couldn't do any of it. Well, we did it all slightly successfully, but it was too much. It needed more of its own individual identity. So I always did know when I had the initial plans of Bex. Um, to the to the entry side of it where there's a fire pit i felt like we could have a yurt right there it'd just be one yurt that would be kind of it would just add more space to the restaurant only be about 10 or 15 feet away um and that's i was so intent on putting our first uh restaurant yurt there and my brothers um again this is where it's great to work with other people that you trust their ideas and listen to all opinions at the end of the day make your own choices uh with the three of us working together i mean we have to come to a consensus but they both their idea crystallized no we should put it we should put it by this big field we should put it across the parking lot and i i personally didn't see that at first i just thought they had a passing fancy and i was going to build what i wanted to build <laughs> Um, but the more they stuck with it, the more I saw that they were right. Um, and, and so what we were able to do, we, we built one yurt, we built, then we built a second yurt the following year. We saw right away we needed it. Then everything was shut down by COVID and we felt like we were never going to build again. But that fall, you know, just in a one, one afternoon, my brothers and I were looking at each other and we said, you know what, we really need another yurt for this winter to, to, you know, we're not going to. Like, sure, it's COVID and we're going to be slower maybe, but or we need to spread people out, but let's build another yurt. So we did. And so right now we have, uh, we actually have five yurts on the property, but three, the hive that you're talking about, Michelle, uh, is is three yurts that make a yurt bar complex. And by having that separate location, really what we've identified is that we can... Um, People can entertain themselves out there. They can have lively conversations. They can listen to music. They can uh, they can imbibe on alcohol. They can bring food out there uh, from the restaurant. But it, it allows the restaurant to serve as a, 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 a place that functions for food, uh, functions for drink as well. But it, it, it's a little less lively than what you find just, just 100 feet away across the parking lot. Do you feel that the yurts helped you get through COVID? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know what helped us get through COVID. There, it was a hit or miss proposition. In so many ways, we got lucky. We got. I, I think what helped us the most is that we are in the mountains and there's fresh air and oh. and people wanted to get out of cities. And one of the places they went on the East Coast was the mountains. Um, that said, yeah, I think the, the yurts absolutely helped us, uh, the outdoor environment that we have helped us. It's interesting. So David, you and David, uh, ski together, your friends, you helped my husband get through COVID with your outdoor stage. I can't even tell you that was the best thing for him. And getting there and he would, he would call and, you know, you've got to get here. You've got to see this band going there and arriving and seeing people have that outdoor space, listening to music during the summer. That was so therapeutic. That was amazing. I am so thrilled you did that. And I think you built that right before COVID. Am I correct? We did. We built, we built the fall of 2019. We built a stage. Um, in the spring of 2020, when COVID was on, we we adjusted it a little bit. We improved its the way it it, it functioned because I did have the sense like I was just looking at 
how, how can we have music and and the rules that that i mean there to think that there were rules of what you could and could not do uh in things that we always took for granted is is totally remarkable and something that i think we'll always look back on and and hope it doesn't happen again but understand that you know i at that time i guess it had to happen because we didn't know what was going on with the world but the idea was that we could have music as long as we didn't advertise it and so we had this great outdoor space um and then beyond that it's like certain just all the stars aligned because we had North Creek has this wonderful, um, this wonderful music scene. It, it, it's it's almost unlike any other. Um, and I I've asked people and I've tried to figure out what made it. And what made it uh, was a wonderful teacher at the town of Johnsburg. There was this uh, I can't remember his name, but he was he was the music teacher. And this man, a, just like a good mentor, a good teacher, inspired enough people in this area that there's an unusual number of extremely talented musicians coming out of North Creek. So our, our stage was filled with them that summer. And then we had, uh, we had some uh, musical acts that, that simply uh, probably would have been out on the road more, more than they would have been in the, the local area. But since they weren't out on the road and they figured out that we had this great space, they, they offered themselves up. And uh, so, yeah, it really started, it really started, it put us on the map for music. Um, and so in that regard, I, I mean, there was a lot of hard work that went into that, some luck that we had, we, we knew we needed a stage somehow beforehand. Um, but we didn't know how, uh, how, how influential to us that stage would be once COVID hit. What are the plans? It sounds like you have the potential of having a big music venue up there. So do you all have plans for the summer and fall? Well, we are. We we do music three. We're going to do music uh, three days a week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, really in running this business, we found for ourselves the easiest, the easiest way um, to keep it going is to consistently offer the same things. When we try to have events, and it's like a one-off event. It's so hard. It like it's so hard to target that advertising to the people. Yet if we if everyone knows that we have every, I mean, really one of our first events was that was Oktoberfest weekend. Um, people know that we're open that weekend. We started having music. That's why. That's really why we built that stage. Um, we wanted to have a an outdoor venue for one weekend of the year that we built the stage. Um, and and that's led to every weekend of the year. And when we're not outside, we're inside in the yurts. So consistency, I forget what the exact question is, but we, you know, we set our hours and we keep to our hours. That was very, you know, we adjust them. We, we used to be open much later. COVID had us shut down at nine o'clock and we found that nine o'clock is a perfect hour for us to shut down as a restaurant and a bar. Sometimes the yurts go a little longer with music um, and that's okay because it, it, it's separate. But by, by always switching hours up, I always switching things up by trying to do like a one-time event. For us, we found that doesn't work. Uh, we, we find that we, and that's why we're, you know, like the last couple of weekends after the ski season or skiing still going on, music's been a little slow, but that's, we're willing to keep that because we know, well, actually last Saturday, it wasn't very slow, but if it, if we were picking and choosing when we wanted to do it or shut down in April and not do music in April, people might forget in May that we were doing music. So. It's interesting. You said that. Uh, my husband was saying you know, the ski season finished early for us as a family. Unfortunately, my son got sick, then I got sick, and then Dave got sick. So we were not very consistent that last month. And he feels like he left out. He got he lost out on that last month of ski season. So he's like, okay, we need to go up to uh, up to North Creek to see to go to Beck's and listen to music. <laughs> so if he if he knows it's there, he's gonna go and that will make him happy. And I, I think that that makes so much sense on so many levels, just the consistency, your customers are going to know what to expect. And that is so smart. Yeah, you're creating a sense of normalcy during like the past two years have been nothing like but not normal and ever changing. So as long as you're creating that environment for that for your customers, I'm sure that they are made to feel good. 
Good point. That's a great point. Mark, you touched on uh, the magical part of the woods and I call it Beck's backyard. And I often will go and, you know, go on little mini hikes and uh, walk dogs and, and head back there. And I would love for you to talk about Beck's backyard and what it does for people, like what you're offering for, for biking, for hiking, and even maybe Narnia. Yeah. Well, we, we have this, we have this wonderful backyard and we have amazing neighbors. Uh, there's most of the, the neighborship of the backyard is, is the town of Johnsburg, which owns this partial land and the state of New York. Um, but we also have some next door neighbors that own a piece of land that that touches things. And so, so, you know, it's a very European model of what has happened in the area. What, what is happening in the Northeast, um, in Europe, there, there's trails that lead through through uh, private lands, and that's just they've been established for centuries, uh, for for thousands of years in some cases, and they just exist. Uh, in our country, it seems like so often we've put up we've put up walls, we we've blocked off neighborhoods. Um, you, I mean, heck, in in Bel Air and California, you can't even get into public neighborhoods in some cases because it's just not allowed. Uh, but that, you know, with, with trails in, in, in specifically in the Adirondacks in our backyard, what you're calling Beck's backyard, um, there were a lot of trails in existence that were goat paths or such. Then uh, about 10 years ago, uh, some, some great forces came together and built bike trails uh, in lands owned by the town of Johnsburg. And since we've owned Beck's, um, in working with the town of Johnsburg, in working with the state, in working with our, our next door neighbors, we've uh, we, we've come to a consensus of how legally those trails uh, can come down into our property. And so now there are, you know, as we said, there's 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 a there, there's a trail that goes to the water tower, which we call a ski trail, um, and then there's there's multiple bike trails that feed down into our yard or, or into the Beck's property, and because of that. So yeah, yeah, Michelle's right. You can come with your dog. You can, you can, if if you're tired in the afternoon and you don't want to hear music anymore, you can walk really around the corner, two minutes away, and you are, um, you are in a. I mean, my wife calls it Narnia because you 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 hike up the you hike up the trail a little bit. You turn off and you you find this this secluded spot along Roaring Brook, and it is magical. And you are away from everything by only walking five minutes. It is very magical. It seems like you've found a way to incorporate everything. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll go back to the, when I was really on the fence of uh, purchasing this property, I was able to delay it. We, I think we signed a contract in January and I was able to delay it all the way to like, I think May, um, you know, really deciding if we were going to do it or not. And I, and I came to the point where I needed to make the decision and so I went, um, I went up there, I met the realtor, we walked around and, and then I just saw this, this path, which was the trail that, uh, it, it, it's an actual road in the woods that leads about three quarters of a mile to, um, a water tower. Uh, and because of that, that, that was probably the only parcel of existing trail that wasn't overgrown because the, the, the town had to maintain that, that, that water tower. And, I just hiked up it and I hiked all the way, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes away until I could see the ski lifts. And I just thought to myself at that moment, when I saw the ski lifts, I'm like, we really have to purchase this because where else am I going to buy a property in the Northeast where I can walk through, you know, a state owned wilderness in my backyard and, uh, and see, and visit a ski lift. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> Yeah, they don't exist. No, it, it, it's amazing. I wanted to know if if you have a fun story that you could share. Like, so you've I know you've had some crazy stories, but is there one that you can share with the listeners that just kind of funny that just sums up everything that you've experienced through the years? Um, yeah. Well, th- this is probably the. I mean, this this story <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, I, customers can be tough, right? Uh, you know. Uh, I think COVID has changed the idea of how we're expected to deal with customers. I have a little less patience than I used to have. 
L.L. Bean has less patience than they used to have. I, I, you know, it's sometime in the last few years, the, the idea that anything that you ever purchased from L.L. Bean is returnable doesn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> the, the former the former owner of 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 uh, of the lodge uh, is a character. I mean, he, he you know, he, he's a wonderful guy. He does a lot of work for us um, and we love him. He's become a great friend. I think what he said to me one day is like, if all I have to do, he mows our grass. He he takes care of the land. He's like, if that's all I had to do, I would have been a great hotel owner. <laughs> well, that's not all you have to do. There's a there's a lot you have to do. Early on in, in, in when he was, was helping us out as we were uh, rejuvenating this, this property, he had this, this great dog named King uh, for Elvis, uh, for the Elvis room, I believe. Um, and King was a big Rottweiler, big lazy dog. You know, he would roam around the property. He felt like he owned the property. He, it, it was his place. If you pulled in, he would bark at you. He would he barked at me. I own the property. He didn't get the the word that that I was now the owner of the deed, uh, that I had the mortgage. He didn't care about that. That's the great thing about being a dog. Um, you know, there was one day when when we had a guest coming in. They, they they came in. Jeff was around. King was was wandering around. I was off somewhere else doing something. I heard King barking, going nuts. He was basically chasing down the person who was trying to get to the room. Um, I had to, I explained to the person, I'm very sorry about this. This never happens. I'll never let it happen again. They were very angry with me, but they, they, they got over it. So I, I walked Jeff aside and I told Jeff, I said, Jeff, listen, you can't like we, I love King. You can bring him, but he has to either be on a leash or you have to have control of him. You just can't let him harass our guests. Uh, Jeff looks at me and he's got a very gravelly voice. He's like, oh, that's nothing. He said, King once jumped into a, a, a stroller. He was in the <laughs> stroller in the face of the baby. He said, that lady, she had a problem with King. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> yeah, so I just smiled and said, exactly, Jeff. We need to make sure that you uh, you keep track of your dog before he jumps in another stroller. <laughs> <laughs> in some oh, ways, nothing. that kind of sums up North Creek in a way too. You do, you do have a lot of fun characters up there, so it's a it's a cool ski town. I love it. Yeah. It's laid back. It's fun. I it's far actually that this is a good segue, and I know that we're we're going to be wrapping up soon. But what changes? I hear things, and I don't know what's going on because it's it's kind of state funded projects. But what things do you see happening with North Creek? over the next five to 10 years? Cause I know that they probably have things planned out. Well, they do. And it's, it, you know, the state is, is a little cagey about ideas. Um, and I, I've come to realize why they are because the best thing a, a politician can do is announce a project. And the second best thing that a politician can do is, or, or that can happen to them is that that project never happens because then they have a, a slush fund of money that they can dream up another project and announce another project. Um, <laughs> so being a pro being a politician is somewhat different than being a developer. Like a developer, you're dealing with your own capital. Usually you, you need to put it to work. You need to make sure that, that what you've created is sustainable. And so, I, I mean, I'm proud that we, I think we've at this point, I'm not going to say it was touch and go at places, but we've made a sustainable business. We're not like, we are not, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sunny with a chance of nuclear war. Yeah. We're worried about the future. However, um, you know, we understand that things are going to happen, uh, whether they're in our control or outside of our control. I think we're going to remain in business as long as we have the passion to keep running it. Gore has done so much. It, it's honestly hard to to fathom um, what Gore has done in the last ten or twelve years, even before we were there. Um, really, you know, they 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 have a they had a twenty five year plan twenty five years ago, and more or less they've accomplished most of it. Um, so, in accomplishing what they've done to this point, they uh, even myself. There's a lot of people. Well, they've done it. Um, <clears throat> why do they have to do any more? Well, I don't know why they have to do more. I mean, maybe <laughs> like, I, I think they, they need to do a little bit more because like North Creek is not completely sustainable yet. I, it, it needs a little bit more tourism. It needs a little bit more 
ability to sustain itself uh, during those slow times. And I think, <coughs> excuse me, what the state has planned for it now really makes sense. It, 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 it's a controversial issue, but they are going to develop and it, and, and it, it helps us. Um, it will directly help us, but I believe it will directly help everyone in North Creek. The closest ski part of the mountain is the ski bowl, which is really only across the street from downtown North Creek. They see the potential in that. When you drive to, to Gore, you can almost be on these Adirondack roads. And unless you know when and where to look, you might not even know. And, and, and besides the <clears throat> somewhat limited signage because of the rules in the park, you might not even know that you have to take a left and there's a ski resort there with all these mountains or with all these chairlifts and, and, and multiple peaks. But you do know when you pass the ski bowl. Um, the ski bowl is right there on a prominent highway that gets uh, more than a million cars a year, I believe. And so someone identified 20 years ago that that's where Gore should develop. Um, they've attempted that. They've done, they've done minor developments while creating um, really a world-class facility up on, the, up on the ski hill. But now that they've done all their work up on the ski hill, or most of their work, they're going to shift to the ski bowl. And so they're going to improve the lifts there, improve the services there, offer a year-round activity with this, this uh, zip coaster. Um, it's not just a zip line. It's actually you, you hook on on the bottom of the mountain, and it carries, you, it carries you all around, drops you in different places, I guess, then carries you higher, drops you, and it's like a 10- or 15-minute ride, and you're done. Um, now, yeah, these, these are kind of pie-in-the-sky ideas, but I think they're happening now. Um, they're going to build a, a better lodge. Um, they're going to add a lift that is a high-speed quad. And I think really what that does is that opens up that whole section of the mountain uh, to mountain bikers. And I was just in Burke, uh, Burke Vermont, uh, this winter, and it was a, it's, it's a dreamy little ski town. But what everyone told me there is, well, skiing secondary. It's mountain biking that brings all the revenue. Um, so honestly, some of the naysayers of what's going on in the ski bowl, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just of the belief that it nothing is ever going to stay the same. If it all stays the same, you're going to have roads that have greater potholes and no ability to fix them because you don't have the revenue as the cost of fixing roads goes up. So if you if you have an area that can have a a, a a growth to it, you should probably embrace that. I embrace it in North Creek in the sense that it has the it is a totally unique um, ski town, and it will remain that. It will remain in private ownerships. There's never going to be a veil that takes it over, that takes over the whole main street, um, that creates a, a, a Disneyland uh, idea of what the ski town is. Right now, it's authentic. Right now, it's beautiful. There's times at night when the sun's setting, when it is one of the most gorgeous places around. So a little more tourism will help sustain that. And what again, what they're doing at the ski bowl with the lodge, with the lift, with the existing mountain biking trails, trails that will probably, hopefully, extend to North River with uh, continued planning, which is a, a village about 10, 15 miles away, I can envision... I can envision mountain biking being one of the primary revenue drivers uh, at in North Creek, whether uh, summer, winter, fall, whenever. Fat tire bikes in the winter, but really, it will it will uh, it will bring the necessary tourists to help the businesses. I think in the summertime. Right now, they they're dependent upon uh, overflow from Lake George and the Hudson River and hiking. Uh, but it, it truly isn't L and rail biking, which is an incredible uh, uh, offering too. So it, all the pieces are there and the state is, is, is it, it looks like the state is <coughs> getting involved again. And uh, I think in 10 years, people will look back upon this and, and wonder they, they won't even, you know, the, 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 the squabbles that are going on right now will be like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool place. It is a very authentic town, and I can see where people would be worried about the personality and people who live there. And it, you go downtown, and everybody seems to know each other. So I could see how there might be that fear of, you know, the fancy Aspen and these fancy things coming in and changing it. It 
I just don't know if I ever see that happening and which is why we like it so much. It is so authentic. It's very unique. And I, we love it. I don't ever see us really going anywhere else. You know, it, it, we would have to find another small little ski town that would be, you know, I guess not where I want to say the fancy places are. <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, I think North Creek is in a, is in a position that many people would envy because it is, I believe in charge of its own growth. Um, and it's going to have some outside factors from the state uh, with the both the positives and negatives that that will bring. But at the end of the day, it's going to bring it's going to create uh, some new revenue for the town and some new development that's that's that that will will that everyone can enjoy on the state lands. So thank you for sharing that, Mark. And I really do want to say this and, and stress it. What the Lodge and what Beck's Tavern has brought to the town has been wonderful. So I I just want everybody to encourage everyone, when you go to North Creek and you go to Gore Mountain, you have to stop by Beck's uh, for a beer after skiing or, you know, I guess lunch while you're biking and check it out. So, but thank you so much for joining us today on From the Basement Up. We really do appreciate it. Oh, I, I had a great time. Again, I want to just, I want to thank my brothers. I want to thank my wife. I want to thank uh, really all of our employees um, and really my sons too. They had to, they had to grin and bear it a lot of times. And, uh, but that was, that was part of why we entered this adventure. They've gotten to see a business uh, be built from the ground up. And, uh, and I, I think, I think already they're looking back on it with, uh, how that's been good for their lives. <laughs> Amazing learning experience all the way around. So thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to listen to you. Anytime. Thank you for joining us today on From the Basement Up. Mark Parabek is a good friend of ours and the Parabek family. It was such a pleasure to have him on the show today and really share and listen to his story of how he and his family purchased the lodge and have developed that into North Creek's premier Epray ski location. Give us that five-star review and check us out on our show notes. Thanks so much for listening to From the Basement Up. Thank you so much for joining us today on From the Basement Up. Please be sure to check namebubbles.com for our blog on the podcast and all of the show notes, resources, and links for our guests every Thursday. And please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week, and thank you.